Welcome to Believe and Be the podcast, where we fearlessly explore the depths of human resilience and the strength of belief. I'm your host, Amanda Sparon Dufoe, and together we'll embark on a transformative journey of healing and hope. Join us as we engage in heartfelt conversations with individuals who have confronted life's toughest challenges, navigating through grief, loss, and adversity. Through their inspiring stories, we uncover the unwavering strength that resides within each one of us. If you're seeking solace, connection, and a glimmer of light during the darkest moments, Believe in Be, the podcast, is here to remind you that hope is always within your grasp. Together, let's embrace the complexities of life and embrace the beauty of our own resilience. As we walk this path hand in hand, we'll find strength and vulnerability and comfort in knowing we are never alone. Get ready to be moved, inspired, and reminded that belief is the key to unlocking the power within. Welcome to Believe and Be, the podcast. Prior to starting, I would like to issue a trigger warning. On today's episode, we'll be discussing the subject of child loss. If you think the subject matter might be distressing for you, I encourage you to take care of yourself and decide whether you are ready to listen to this episode now or at a more suitable time for you. Well, good afternoon, everyone. I have the distinct pleasure of introducing Trina today along her journey with grief. So Trina, welcome. Thank you, Amanda. It's been a while. It has, but I I appreciate you greatly for trusting me and this platform of being able to tell your story with grief, loss, and where you are today. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Well, first is my daughter, Marge. Let me grab a picture. Perfect. So happy. Always so happy. Always, always. Yeah. Beautiful. I knew we did. So... Marge was born on uh, February 14th, 2001. And as the story was remembered by my husband, because it's a big blank, because I was on lots of drugs during that. Well, not, you know, they give you anesthesia and all that stuff when you have babies, not bad drugs, good drugs. I mean, right. <laughs> we all know what I mean. But um, when that happened, you know, we didn't know we were pregnant, went to the hospital. You're having a baby when now mm. so Surprise. not now had baby uh some when they attempted to put me asleep uh somehow in that process i had i had marge had a bowel movement and she swallowed it mm. so she came out blue green not breathing um when my husband came uh, into the room to see her because I'm still knocked out. There was and there was a death certificate made out, totally made out on the table. He was washing his hands on. Mm. Uh, the which he wasn't supposed to see, of course. They were not expecting her to make it. About two two hours after she was born, she started greening up and went to another hospital. Eventually, she had to have nitrous oxide pumped through her lungs. Mm. And it was very new treatment back in 2001. So mm-hmm. they said, you're probably going to be here a couple of weeks. No, we were there a couple of days. She took to the treatment immensely well. After about a month in the hospital, we went home, went back to work. Uh, and about a year later, we moved up to South Carolina, just wanted some different changes in our life. Um, 
And we got hooked in with a doctor who sent us to a developmental pediatrician because we knew Marge was behind. Mm -hmm. There was something going on. She wasn't meeting her deadlines on time. And they, they sent us to a developmental pediatrician who was a developmental pediatrician all through Marge's life. Mm. She was the only one we ever saw. And she retired after Marge passed. Oh. <laughs> she didn't know what to do. She said she was going to keep seeing Marge until she was 21. Right. So, um, and she uh, said there's a cerebral palsy diagnose, mm -hmm. which no one in Florida told us, which did not make me a very happy camper. As you may imagine, mm -hmm. not being told any of that. Um, so we went on, got her in therapy, got her in uh, special schools. We realized that she didn't know what was going on around her. And she was not able to speak. Eventually, she ate stuff by mouth. She eventually went into being just G2 fed, mm -hmm. even a JG tube near the end of her life. Um, like she's the only person who you think would never like ice cream. Mm. The texture changed. Yeah. And she did not like that texture change, not at all. She had very much of, even though she never talked, she had a mind of her own. Mm -hmm. And she knew how to express things or not. Um, so we went to our church for a little while. And, of course, when you met Marge, and you met Marge, everyone loved her. Mm -hmm. She was the center of attention in the room. And she, and even though she didn't say a word, she knew how to manipulate people. <laughs> she was, you know, she knew how to say no. And it was, no. Mm -hmm. Or roll her eyes if she didn't like the type of music you were playing. Mm -hmm. But, you know, she had a TV show wasn't playing. She'd fuss, 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 fuss. Okay, Marge, here's your eight-hour marathon on Dora the Explorer, which I'm going to not enjoy. <laughs> in my, even though she verbally, yeah, even though she verbally couldn't communicate with you, she was very well, she was able to communicate with you and you knew exactly what she, she did. She knew exactly what to do. Uh, we were in our small church for like 10 years and we got the prompting of God, we needed to check something else out. Mm. So we both church did this online. My husband and I didn't even know we were doing it at the time. We churched a special needs church. We ended up at our current church which is Grace Church, who has a whole special uh, disability ministry Amazing. for all ages. Mm. We're talking kids up to adults. Wow. And we ended up there, and Marge met her friend Danielle. And I don't know, were you at camp when Danielle was there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Danielle and Marge had a very special friendship. Mm-hmm. Danielle has a uh, Down syndrome, mm -hmm. and she talks a lot. <laughs> Marge didn't. I say this in much love and respect to Danielle. Dan, mm -hmm. Danielle, you know, she she talks a lot. She is an endless chatterer, and Marge, she didn't speak a word, and those two connected mm -hmm. instantly. By the second week, we're at church. She was Marge's best friend. I have no idea how she what became Marge's best friend, but she was definitely Marge's best friend. Closing a window. That's okay. Uh, so they had a very special friendship. Mm -hmm. 
But, you know, Marge went on for many years, several medical things that she bounced back from. Amazingly well, she was doing good in school. She was, you know, in a more, um, I would rather had her integrated into more classes, but her needs were so much that she needed more one-on-one than she would ever get in a regular school. We gave it a good try. Mm Mm-hmm. So we decided, you know, and the regular school, you know, we had, we had, most of the teachers were good. We had one really tough year for no idea why we had a tough year with that teacher, but sometimes it just doesn't work out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but um, back in 2000, and her decline really started back in 2018. Mm. And we had a lot of good years with her and she bounced back, had serious stuff. Really bad seizures, back lymphoma. In 2015, she had to have her spinal fusion. Mm. She had a 132-degree curve in her spine. Wow. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, literally. Like, almost like a seizure. Literally, literally like that. That was literally like, I mean, she was sitting in a wheelchair, just leaned at an angle. Mm-hmm. So it had to be, it had to be corrected. There wasn't, I, you know, you want to do this, but it, it was getting worse. Yeah. It's like the quality of life that she needed that to be able to. Was not going to work. And, you know, it didn't, it didn't seem to bug her at all. Mm-hmm. She was okay with it. I mean, we even deal with a fractured hip and during all of this, she fractured her hip and didn't know it. No one, no one caught it. And that's crazy that she wasn't like exhibiting like signs of pain like of just she would when she you could tell that she was uncomfortable if you moved it a certain way mm, mm-hmm. but that's it yeah the rest of the time she was just and it's like oh the hip fractured i sent a note to her teacher and her teacher went what <sighs> apparently in the middle of a school board meeting oh my goodness oh my goodness i said you did what and i said oh yeah big staff meeting all the big shots are there the board's there you know and i'm i'm going what yeah to to find (laughs) that out that you know through all of that and trying to navigate you know school a surgery and then finding all all that out in in between all of that that's a lot i know well she had she had her spinal fusion 12-hour surgery Oh, fun. Yeah. In the middle of the... Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, as a parent, to have to wait on that side for those long surgeries is is emotionally, physically, and mentally draining. As much as you want to be positive and, you know, your prayers and your belief that everything's going to be okay, it's really hard for your brain not to go to negative, especially during those long, long surgeries. I remember with, right. with Bryson, um, there was one time during a really long surgery that they couldn't find access points, you know, and at that uh. point, you know, so like the the stress that a parent feels on on that side um, especially for a 12 hour surgery, uh, must've been very, very, very difficult. It was not fun. It's apparently in the middle of this surgery, they're taking care of everything and her back of him palm catheter flies away down the bloodstream as the doctor said. So they had to sneak the neurosurgeon in mm-hmm. because the neurosurgeon did not have privileges at that hospital, but they had to 
and it was Shriners, mm, but okay. okay, but they had to get him in because he's the neurosurgeon. Mm-hmm. Apparently, that correct problem was corrected almost after that surgery. Yeah. Ah, uh, so we did spinal fusion. Everything went good. We went home, and this is one that he, we ended up back in the hospital a few days later because she was not doing well. How old was she at this time? She was 15. 15. And she got pneumonia. Mm. Now, when you do a spinal fusion, you, you know, you, and it's set and you get pneumonia after, you can't do the regular treatments. Mm-hmm. The shaking of the body to clear stuff up on, no. So we were in like, pick, that was like our longest pick you stay until to that point. That was like three weeks in the mm-hmm. pick you. Mm-hmm. Then on the floor, went home. And we had a couple good years, but even now looking back at the pictures, we could tell that there was, she was starting to decline. Mm. We didn't, we didn't see it at that time, but she was definitely starting to decline at that point. And then came 2018 Mm -hmm. where we were just in the hospital for issue after issue after issue. I mean, everything you could think of. And the biggest problem with this is she had her Make-A-Wish trip in August. Mm -hmm. We went to Johnny and Friends. Mm -hmm. And then five days after Johnny and Friends, we went to go see Taylor Swift in Atlanta. I remember being able to see your photos and your videos on Facebook and how excited that she was and just the pure joy that she was experiencing. It was amazing to watch. And she adored Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. every second of it and you know it was you know Marge you're going to see Taylor Swift and it's like she looked at me like yeah sure mama mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so we got there we saw it and she lasted about two hours which was pretty good mm-hmm. for her it was a little long little loud you know even though you try to arrive as late as you can but you can't arrive late because mm-hmm. you, you know so many other things involved but we were we were actually right before the Friday before we left for Johnny and Friends, her G tube, no her J was G or J I don't remember one of her tubes. Mm-hmm. It's the one you just can't pop back in. Oh, it's the GJ tube. Thank you. Yep. Yep. No, it was just a J at that time. We just had a J at that time. J, just a J. Yeah. We just and it's popping out, and everyone's telling us, "Oh, we can't do anything to Monday." So we're going to Johnny and Friend, you know, and it's like, uh, can't work. Mm-hmm. We were very blessed to have a doctor who did not take no for an answer. Mm. And she got people in there to fix her, fix the J2 mm-hmm. on a Friday afternoon. This never happens at hospitals. No. No, never, ever, ever. You don't you get normally get you normally get stuck until like a Monday because and they'll just do like IV fluids or whatever the case may be. But I'm no, they did it that they did that afternoon. That's fantastic. She she is well. She she was a great doctor. She just did severely disabled kids. Mm-hmm. That's all she did. That's all that office practiced it in. Yeah, to have someone that was so specialized in that because something very simplistic could create multiple issues later on, you know, with with medically. And when you have a child that's medically fragile, uh, 
it is very difficult and you have to have the departments talk to each other because it's not just one set of doctors it's multiple sets of doctors whether it's you know neurology or you have people you know for feeding and and everything else that that goes along with it and that's fantastic that she was such an advocate too for you and for marge yes so we got to johnny and friends that week uh, had a good week before between went to go see taylor swift no problem uh the Tuesday after we got back, we saw her pulmonary doctor in the morning, mm -hmm. and he was extremely happy with everything. Everything looks good, you know, and, and that afternoon, she was definitely have a problem catching her breath. Mm -hmm. So we hook up the Paul Cox machine, and her oxygen is like 66, Ooh. which is not normal. No. So off to the ER. Mm -hmm. Um. And then we begin the very low, they cannot get her to take, to breathe normal without having a tube down her throat. They try to exert the tube twice. It fails both times. Mm. So the next thing we have to do is have the trach put in. Mm -hmm. Somehow in this process, uh, they, deci they decide to replace her G with a JG. Mm-hmm. And we also realized her neurologist, who was another very special doctor, came in and sat next to me the first day she was admitted mm. to the PICU. And he, he doesn't know how he got this to this day, you know, uh, but he sat down and he had the hard talk. Mm -hmm. And you've had the hard talk. I've had, yes, I had to have that. You've had the, and he sat down and gave me the hard talk and he told you know, that was the first person who ever hit it. I don't think she's going to make it out of this one. He didn't say that in words, but it was very much, you need to be prepared. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, and, you know, he was, he was right. The, but they did, they also did an MRI in her brain and they did an MRI in her brain in several, several years. Mm -hmm. And they realized she had water on the brain. Not a small amount, a rather large amount. So they did three surgeries in one day, mm -hmm. all based from that neurologist who wanted to get it all done at one time. Mm. Did she have a shunt put in? She had, she, no, they did not do a shunt. They did the third ventricle. Oh, okay. Yep. He did not want to really do a shunt because she was getting the uh, trach put in at the same time. That would have been a lot. Yeah, he did. The, they did the trach, the JG, and he did the draining. Mm -hmm. He thought that'd be the best thing. Mm -hmm. and they did all those and it was kind of you know and she still wasn't getting any better mm. even with the trach and then they finally sat down and had the rough conversation of she's not going to make it six months mm -hmm. and it was just a shock to the system yeah yeah no we we didn't expect it we didn't see it coming yeah i mean you no know. parent you know, should have to face what we have faced of, of, of child loss. But when you yeah. also have a child that has medical complexities and your life has been diagnoses and doctors and you're just getting through everything and she was so healthy for so long, she's in there getting the treatment that she, she needed. You know, I think that you don't allow your mind to go to that place of we're going to lose my child. And then when they sit you down to have that conversation, 
I know when I sat down for me um, with, with what was going on with Bryson was it's almost like that out of body experience of you can watch what's happening, but yeah. you're not really comprehending what's being said. No, you did. You doesn't. And we were lucky. We had our regular doctor there that I told that got her JG, the pulmonologist came in and he was there. Hmm. So it was like, what do you do? I mean, it's like, just a shock to your system so we were you know just figuring out what to do and you know medicaid and hospice don't like to work together i don't know they don't you know Mm -hmm. so we were trying can we get her home eventually we ended up in a hospice down in anderson south carolina Mm -hmm. called uh hospice of the upstate Mm -hmm. the neat thing about hospice of the upstate is that it's a beautiful place it has gardens in the center of it. It has a garden. There's trees all around it. It looks like you're in the middle of nowhere, but you're truly not. Wow. They have, they're also, they have balconies in every room that are big enough to push a bed outside. Mm. So the original plan, we're just going to be there for a few days, see how it works and come mm-hmm. home. Well, that didn't work either mm-hmm. because it was becoming clear. The doctors were there the first week we were there. The main doctor had a, a vacation planned in, and by the time she came back, it, is, it had been obvious that March was declining, mm-hmm. and very quickly. And that's when they decided it's time to take her off her feeds. Mm-hmm. And that's when, uh, two weeks into that, the backlist pump decided to poke through her skin. Oh, it was like a complication after complication. <laughs> and it's like, we're looking at it going, metal yeah yeah so they had to call the neurosurgeon again who of course they had to have set up surgery so they set up surgery it was like a few days after that he decided uh after doing a lot of praying that he was not going to put it back in he thought it would be way too traumatic you know he wanted to knock her out to get it positioned and attached, they had a little pocket there. Mm-hmm. So it, 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 you know, the pumps were still there, but he did not remove it. He did not, you know, he, it was just in a little, you know, pocket that he put in there right next to her body mm-hmm. that they had wrapped up. He sent good instructions back to the hospice nurses. No, just take care of it. Mm-hmm. He says, I don't want to put her through as many, we want to make her as comfortable as possible. And, you know, and it was kind of surreal being in hospice. Was Bryson in hospice or were you guys in the hospital? I don't remember. No, he wasn't in hospice. So when Bryson um, went septic because, you know, he, you know, he got an infection. um, Right. He was nine days on life support in in the hospital. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. I couldn't remember so many stories. Yeah, I know. I wish that. You know, when you look back and you're like, oh, you know, it would have been nice, but there was no, he was so, 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 so sick. There was no way we would have been able to get him to a hospice location or to home. Um, But I do have to say that the hospital that we were at, at the children's hospital, they were fantastic. We had a private room, you know, there were visitors could come at any, at any time. And, you know, 
um, they made it as you know comfortable as as we could. But we were we were in the PICU at the Children's Hospital, but there just wasn't okay. an option to go to to go. I to did not remember to be That's honest okay. with you. Okay. But uh, Anderson is like about twenty minutes for us, and it is like from the ch Anderson is like thirty minutes from my house, and we're like another twenty minutes to church. So, mm -hmm. but our church really reached out. They have our churches have different branches. Mm -hmm. You know, it's they're all different campuses, but they, you know, you know how that works. Yes. In churches and the church near us, they came to visit. People came down to see us. We even before March passed, we had the whole service planned out. Mm. We knew exactly what we were going to do. And Danielle and her mom, Vicki Lynn, came down to visit. Mm -hmm. We asked Danielle to speak at the funeral. She was very excited. Mm hmm. As you think Danielle would be. Right, right. That's Danielle. Yeah. But the last time Marsh says Danielle, this is one of the things I'm not going to, I'm going to remember. Marsh walks in the room. Mm -hmm. Very determined look on her face. Day of the Clemson, South Carolina game. Mm -hmm. Trina. Yes, Danielle. When Marge goes to be with Jesus. Mm. Her exact words. We are going to have a pizza party. Oh. We are going to have pizza and ice cream mm -hmm. okay <laughs> so yeah I Danielle mean, yeah the heart the heart I think that she was like of celebrating that she was going to be with Jesus you know of the way that you know kids and you know ones with uh, different abilities and and things like that like the way that they process things it's it's just so wholehearted and you know honest and they don't sugarcoat <laughs> anything and I think like you know, for her to be able to express to you what, what she wanted to do to celebrate when Marge went to be with Jesus, um, yeah. you know, and that you accepted that. Yeah. And that was Marge's last best day mm -hmm. because she was active. She knew Danielle was coming. So she was looking for Danielle all day. Mm -hmm. And then the Clemson, South Carolina game was that night. And she watched a football game because Marge adored football. Mm-hmm. She didn't care who was winning or who was playing. She just wanted football. Mm. As long as there wasn't a lady announcing. <laughs> you could not have a female announce. That was her. She would just complain at the top of her lungs. So, no, 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 no. Okay, changing. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter who's playing. Ladies don't announce football, according to Marge. <laughs> and, yeah. and, you know, around... In December, a few days before she passed, there was a snowstorm coming to one of those ice storms. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're South Carolina. We can't drive in ice. Mm -hmm. and I'm from Florida, so we can't drive in ice at all. <laughs> we don't have a clue what we're doing. Um, and my husband and I, who had been sharing, you know, responsibilities for all this time since, you know, August, mm -hmm. we just, you know, and I said, hospice in upstate is in a valley. Mm. So getting in and getting out of there in bad weather, icy weather. So we decide to go home. Mm -hmm. And we spend a week in a home. And we, you know, we're just waiting for the weather to, um, to clear up on Monday. Now we'll just go back Tuesday. And we get to call Monday around noon, mm. as she had passed. And the... What they told us is, hot. They had a pastor come. They had pastors come in to visit. 
Mm-hmm. And one of the pastors had came in and they just, he decided to sing and talk to her. And he said she was very attentive. Mm. She was watching, looking at him, listening to him. And he stayed with her a little longer because he really thought she needed to, you know. And he left and the nurse came in maybe about a few minutes later and she had passed. Mm. So we had a lot of people. uh, We didn't. We had to get down there and get her stuff. Uh, Drove. We had someone on standby. Mm -hmm. For like a month on standby, mm-hmm. you know, waiting to see if anything would happen. Um, we, she drove us down. We got her stuff. And it was kind of surreal. Yeah. You know, you don't, you know, you don't know what to do. We had, fortunately, you know, I had a message made up. Mm. You know, all I had to do is send it out. Mm-hmm. And our church and friends came around us. Uh, we had visits. We have from our church. Do you know Pastor Clint from Johnny and Friends? Yeah, yeah. He came up to see us. Oh, very nice. He was actually going to be close by, so he came up one day to see us. Uh, and it was in December, and we decided to wait to have the funeral until January. Mm-hmm. We knew a lot of people would be out of town. Mm-hmm. We knew um, Clemson was playing good football. <laughs> and I'm sorry, it's South. You know, it is a South, it's football, and they do not miss their football if there's bowl games. So we scheduled it, and I don't remember the day. Mm-hmm. I could go look it up if I needed to, but we had a we had a service. We had almost 100 people. Mm-hmm. We had people from Georgia. The whole Johnny and Friends staff came down mm-hmm. and took two wheelchairs back for Wheels on the wor- World. Nice. So that was important. Um, and... We had her funeral. We, you know, and it was. And after it, it's like, what do you do? Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're kind of, you're used to making formula for someone every night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, because she was on the ketogenic diet for procedures and you're not making it anymore. Yeah. I remember after Bryson passed away. I mean, we, we went in and, you know, planned his service and it took a very long, it it was nine days that we did that, but you know, that's where my heart and soul kind of went and, you know, for that. And I know for you, you guys were kind of planning yours for, for January, but you are so right. Like, I think it was like the day after the funeral, I woke up and I was like, okay, so now what do I do? You know, like, you know, I am, I'm only known as Bryson's mom. I take care of him. I'm his mom. I'm his caregiver. I'm his nurse. I'm, you know, like all like his therapist, you know, like all of these things to make sure that he's living a happy, productive and fulfilling life. And it's almost like you feel like, okay, so I failed at that. Now, what do I do with the rest of my life? Because who am I supposed to take care of? And I can imagine that was kind of like the same for you of what do you do? What you do, because you're so used to doing that. You don't sleep at night. You know, my husband went back to work. I did nothing because I was her major caregiver. And it was like, Mm -hmm. what do I do? Mm -hmm. And he kind of like waffled around for a couple months. Mm -hmm. You know, we had a very good church family and our, our, you know, our disability community made sure to keep us in a loop. And one of the things I always heard is you're welcome back. Always. Mm-hmm. please come see us. We love you. And it's like, now I've heard of some parents who have not had that experience. Mm-hmm. 
boob in turn, no, we don't want you back. And they were like, no, we want you here. Please be around. Mm -hmm. So after we waffled around, we did, we did grief here once. Well, kind of, (laughs) it was a little bit too early. Our church signed it up for it and it was probably a good thing. We just needed to be told what to do. Mm -hmm. And the, we were lucky the first time we went through because there was the couple who leads it also lost a son with a disability. Mm. So there was a little bit more of a connect point yeah. there. Yeah. So my husband went back to work. We eventually got rid of Marge's van and I started driving part-time for Uber and Lyft. Mm-hmm. We just moved on. Yeah. And, and that is so hard. I mean, you gave away, you know, some of her wheelchairs, Yeah, you know, and for a great organization. And I remember like when I was cleaning out and donating Bryson's walkers and wheelchairs and different things like that, I'm just, but then at one point I was like, do I want to give all this stuff away? But why am I holding on to it? And I remember too, just like you were saying, like when I went and traded, um, you know, Bryson's van in, you know, I was like, what am I, you know, but I'm like, I don't need this van anymore. And it's trying to find a new normal when nothing is normal anymore. Well, our van, actually, we sold it to our neighbor. He was using it for his lawnmower business. He's and he's, and he eventually sold it to an older couple who remodeled it, put it in good shape and are now using it for transportation for them. Very good. Yeah. Oh, it's okay. No worries. No, that's okay. No worries at <laughs> he all. He should know what I'm doing. Yeah, it's okay. Um, he but, should know what yeah, I'm doing. But, but that is, you know, to be able to know that it's being used for good and to help other yeah. people, that's what, like, was easier for me when I started, <laughs> you know, donating some of Bryson's things and, and you know, when I got rid of the van and it went – you know, I sold, you know, I traded it in and I, and I found out later on, it went to a family that had a little boy with a disability, just like Bryson. And, you know, um, because they're, they're materialistic things, um, which, you know, we want to hold on to everything materialistic of our children's. Yeah. Um, I, but yeah, hard. I have a quote, mate, you know, our church at that time, they had a director in of uh, their disability program and they'd recently hired a pastor. So I did not know him super well Mm -hmm. they hired a pastor when everything when this whole thing was going on so I did not know him super well because I wasn't there much but uh she got us a quilt made of all Marge's t-shirts lots of Taylor Swift t-shirts and Johnny and Friends shirts there (laughs) yeah my my husband got me one made uh this past year of all of Bryson well when we moved you know because every time we move I always go through the totes that I still have of Bryson's you know so yeah so my husband took all of the shirts and different things like that and, and made one of those uh, quilts um, of all of his uh, shirts and, and things like that. So, you know, it's kind of like a nice little, like when you're really missing them to kind of wrap yourself in it. It's almost like a hug uh, type of uh, type of blanket. So that's amazing that you have one of those. Yeah. And our bed, we had a sleep safe bed. We actually reached out to Emily, this lady who's a, who used to be the director. And I said, Emily, do you know anyone who needs it? And she did. And it went to a family. Their son uh, was in a lives in a group home during the week, but he comes home on weekend and he has autism, and he needs some kind of bed at home like yeah. that. So it went to a family who would use it. Awesome. Yeah. 
that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, to be able to help others, even though you're in your time of grief and despair, but you're still able to, to help others along the way is, I think is amazing. But, um, we started volunteering at, uh, the church at Grace church, our church now, uh, has a program called Mosaic is their group, uh, group for, for disabilities, all ages. Mm. And yes, adults, Mm -hmm. they have about, say we got like about 20 adults every week. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's growing leaps and bounds. And we started doing that probably almost about, I think all she passed in December and we think we started there about August, mm-hmm. just going to church on Sunday. They also, so there's, they do that at nine o'clock. They also now come and this is the adults who thought of this, not any of the volunteers or leaders. They wanted to co- go over to the big church, which has now been nicknamed to do to the 11 o'clock service. Mm. So we have about, about around 20 of high school and adults of adults. And out of that, we probably have, probably about have, we have like 20, 30. Most of them make the trip over to the church for the bigger service. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they are just this, you've dealt with special needs adults. They're just the sweetest people. Mm. And they embraced us and took them, took us in, uh, so we started doing that, and then there was 2020, mm-hmm. and everything disappeared. Mm-hmm. Um, we w- we were not vol- we had just started volunteering at another charity when we started called Davis Table. Davis Table is they do a lot of things like Johnny and Friends does, mm-hmm. but they are but they're not like one church. They do they do. Um, a meetings they do a weekly bible study wow. called Ephesians 2:10 for adults with disabilities mm-hmm. because one mom told told the leader well I'm not telling my daughter I can't go to the club when he turns 21 mm. that mom is a force of nature and she did not they did not stop doing it because she founded it because she wasn't going to tell her daughter that yeah <laughs> right so we, that is a Bible study on Monday nights, still to this day, called E210. And that went on Zoom. Oh, very nice. During the pandemic. Because we ended up having, the, we knew one lady, one young lady who now lives in Maine. Uh-huh. So we started Zooming it. And then they realized after the pandemic, we need to keep doing this. Yeah. So... When we were actually able, you know, I think we were online like uh, six, eight months mm-hmm. until they felt comfortable meeting. You know, you have to be comfortable meeting back together. Yeah. And they met back together. They were in one room. In six months, they needed to move to a bigger room. In another six months, they had to open another location. Wow. Because they were booking in 100 people a week. So it meets at at two 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 churches, 
and it does online and they draw about 100 people a week and we both volunteer at that. You know, they have their small groups too. So we we have basically someone comes in, gives a short Bible study, then we break up a table with with groups, guys and girls. Mm-hmm. So, and I ended up in charge of a table. Oh my God, wow. me. Yeah, that's amazing. Has that been helpful and for you? It is because they have a uncanny ability to love people. Mm-hmm. No matter what happens. Mm-hmm. And I mean, those girls are just, they're very biblically study some of them you know and it it amazes me every time mm-hmm. one of the other things I did is our church because you know we have an adult ministry decided to start a day program mm. and they do a day program called mosaic inspire mm. they do it three days a week they have 11 young adults who come during the week wow. and I volunteer two days a week Mm-hmm. And the young adults in it, and I get told all the time, Trina, they love you. And I go, what in the world did I do to deserve their love? Oh. I have no idea. What is oh. here? And it's like, you know, if you don't come, they ask about you and they worry about you. And it's like, oh my God. It's like you have it's, your own children. That, it's like, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like, and seriously i mean the young girls in there it's like i have to be careful what i what i do because they look up to me and it's like god what did you do (laughs) you know i have some that i you know i have the mosaic spire i have a friend in e210 that i talk to on the phone several Mm -hmm. times a week Mm -hmm. and this year she's getting a very great privilege and she knows it. She is singing at her church's Christmas cantata. Oh wow. She is doing a solo. Very nice. She has spina bifida is in a wheelchair, but has a beautiful voice. Mm-hmm. She has lots of musical talent where I tell her I have none. <laughs> and I'm honest about that. I said I tell her, Maggie, I have no talent. Mm-hmm. I have absolutely no talent. But I'm going to her on the day, uh, it will be the sixth anniversary when March had passed. Wow. So it's like, yeah, I prayed about it, did a little praying. Do I need to go? Yes. Okay. <laughs> right, right. So she knows what a big deal it's going to be for me to get out of the house on that day. Yeah. Because I normally don't go anywhere. Yeah. Anniversaries and birthdays are, they're very challenging. They're very hard. Yeah. They're very, very hard. And March's birthday is Valentine's Day, so that's even more challenging. Mm-hmm. It's sometimes it's just easier for me to stay home. Yeah, yeah. And you had, you know, with her death and then the funeral in January and then, you know, her birthday in February, it was like month after month. You know what I mean? Months of months. Of- yeah, that, that's, that's a lot. You know, Bryson passed away four months before he would have turned eight. Um, and I was still in a fog you know, in August, August. um, you know, it's been, it's been 10 years and there's certain days that I'm, I'm still in a fog, you know, it just depends on, on the day and my emotions and, and things like that. So it depends on what hits you because Taylor Swift released 1989 this week. Yeah, I saw that. And they did the opportunity to have you on 
the cover of 1989. So I did it. That was Marge. And it's like, oh, no, crying, you know. Mm-hmm. All right, moving on. Yeah, yeah. How do you, I mean, so, it, you know, almost six years. Um, almost six years. Yeah. How do you continue on every day through the grief that you experience on a daily basis? One step at a time. Mm-hmm trusting on God to get me through it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the only way I can do it. Mm-hmm. And I tell all the young adults, they, they know about Marge. Some of them knew her, some of them did not. Mm-hmm. But it's like, do you think the only way I get through this is not yeah. praying mm-hmm. and getting on? I mean, many of them, some of them knew her, some of them did not. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. Yeah. People are always going to move through your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, too, like, talking about her and her life, you know, it makes, it can make other people feel a little bit uncomfortable, right? Especially mm-hmm. if they didn't know um, your child. Um, I've experienced that, like, when talking about Bryson. Um, but for me, it's like, well, he was such a big part of my life and I'm a mom because of him. And, you know, he's still a part of my life. He's just not here physically with me anymore. Exactly. And people just don't understand that, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's like the, the young adults, every one of them I've told about her, they know. Mm -hmm. In fact, one of her friends always mentions her Mm -hmm. every time she, I miss Marge. Mm-hmm. And it's like, thank you, Becca. You're yeah. so sweet. Yeah, yeah. And you know they are, and they do miss their friends. Yeah, I you know, know when they're when their friends sad. pass, it's terrible. You know, they're just sad. Yeah, and I was gonna say it must be, you know, challenging too to see some of Marge's friends have, you know, new milestones and and growing and, you know, continuing on in their life with with Marge not here, you know, that's always this double-edged sword with me of I get to see some of Bryson's friends that, you know, they would have graduated high school this past year and seeing them, you know, grow and, you know, graduate and, you know, living these amazing lives of, of seeing them, you know, turn 18. And it's so hard to fathom, you know, what age they should be. You know, to me, Bryson's always going to be this baby boy at age seven. Um, I can't picture him any older. Um, and you don't want to be hardened and not grateful for the relationships that your child had with others. And you still want to be, you know, hopeful for their families and to still be there as a support and as a friend. But it can be very challenging at times to, to especially like holidays, first day of school. Oh, yeah. I have to stay off of Facebook. I can't be on social media. Um, and that's just for me. That's for me emotionally that I have to protect myself um, because it's very hard. It's, it's, it's very difficult. And you don't want to come across of, um, you know, that grief has overtaken your life. Grief is a part of my life. It's not my full life. Yes. I can still be happy. I have moments of sadness. I have certain days where I'm still, you know, I'm out of it completely. And then there's days I wake up and I got through the day, still thought about my child a lot during the day, but I didn't cry. I wasn't, you know, terribly sad in that day, but you know, it's been a decade, you know, since Bryson has passed away. And I don't want to say, but your 
as time goes on, it's a little bit easier to breathe through the difficult it is. moments. It is. It's a little easier to breathe. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. still not easy. You know, you have your moments. Yeah. And, you know, you find other things to enjoy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My husband and I found our favorite Christian band, which is for King and Country, nice. during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing out. There's nothing out. Oh, let's watch this band. Okay, they sound good. Well, let's see them live when they come to the area. Mm-hmm. Eight shows later. <laughs> seven shows later. Yeah. Well, that's great that, you know, number one, you're there uh, as a support, you know, and your husband's there as a support to each other. You know, that's, right. that's number one. Um, because there's so many statistics where if, you know, someone loses a child, you know, their relationship or marriage can, can fail, um, even more so than the normal statistics. Yeah. And one of the things we did again with our marriage is re-engage our church office after married couples. Mm -hmm. We did it when Marge was, and we did it also after she passed. Mm. So that was, that was a good thing. You know, we just needed to find out where we were. Mm-hmm. in states where she was yeah yeah but now we go see for and everyone knows everyone i deal yeah you're gonna go see for king country it's like yes i know yeah but that's great because it's like how many times have you seen for king and country how many times do you think becca Right. Well, that's like me and going to see Luke Bryan. Um, but we don't count. Hey, that's I, not a bad don't, thing. No, I don't count anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but that's good that your husband and you have something that you guys can enjoy together. Right. Yes. And yes. that you guys can be a support, like I was saying, you know, to one another. And you might be having a day filled of grief. And he has to be the support for you. And then vice versa. He could be having a really challenging day and you have to be that yeah. support. My husband lost his job in the pandemic, mm. but he ended up finding a new job in a senior living facility. He drives the bus for seniors. Oh, that's amazing. And it's, he loves his job. He adores his job. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is just totally in love with his job. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, he... He meets people there all the time. They've lost kids. Yeah. 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 And I think that when you guys can talk open and honest about where your relationship is and what each of you need is, is very, is, you know, I think can bond you guys closer together rather than, you know, tear you apart. You know, my, my husband lost his mom in 2012 and Bryson passed away in 2013 and um my husband Blake you know he never got to know Bryson um but he feels that he knows Bryson because of all the stories and and things like that but again I mean grief is grief and yes he lost his mom I don't know what that is like because my mom is still here and I get to talk to her every single day and I'm so grateful for that um but for him you know, my husband has never had kids, so he doesn't know what that is is like for losing a child. But the commonality is grief is grief and exactly. loss and loss is loss. It doesn't matter if it's a spouse, a parent, a child, anything, a, a sibling, um, a cousin, you know, however your loss is, it's, right. it's challenging and you have to find ways to cope and life 
is very can be very challenging in the sense of emotionally draining and you're like well what is the point of continuing on when i am experiencing such loss you know especially after you know i feel like marge and and bryson were very similar with their diagnoses and you know mm-hmm. with cerebral palsy and seizures and baclofen pumps and you know so many different things and water on the brain um when you are this parent of a child with special needs that you feel that god you know failed you right then and there but in reality it was an amazing gift yeah. because you got to be the caregiver the mom you know and you got to experience sure joy from your child that every single day and then when you know i lost bryson and when you lost marge again you can't look at it as god failed me again it's this was the plan of of what the the life was going to live and there's a reason that everything happens and for me personally to get through things like i was asking you and you know how you and your husband go through on a daily basis is it's for me it's hope that i get to see my child again you know exactly there's that hope that we are going to see all together that she's in heaven and she's healed mm-hmm yeah. You know, it's like, I know I see people all the time, uh, you know, in grief groups, I'm on my child back and it's like, no, I don't. She's in a better place. She's healed. And I'll see her again one day. Yeah. Do I want her back sometimes? Yeah, of course I do. But I, I just have to remind myself of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it is not easy. Yeah. yeah. And I Every think, day is. Yeah. Every I, day, you know, it's hard, yeah. you know. I was just going to say every day is it's a challenge and I think that each day presents different challenges. It could be as simple as going to the grocery store and something triggering you and you have to leave because you get overwhelmed and emotional and and something very as simple as as that. And then there's other times where I I'm like, "Oh, I'm doing good. I'm at the uh, you know, uh our we have really close friends that, you know, their child calls us um, aunt and uncle, you know, um, mm-hmm. going to his performances and his games and, and different things like that. And that is so special and, and dear to me that that is not difficult for me because I get to enjoy, you know, watching our friends and families, kids grow up. And that is not something to take lightly. It, is, it, is there certain days that it's hard? Yes. But overall... Yeah it's an amazing to watch these kids grow and to become, you know, young adults um, because our children were not given that opportunity. No. And, you know, like my friend who I told you, who always asked about Marge and Mrs. Marge, she got baptized Mm. and she's in a wheelchair. Yes, Mm -hmm. it was a, they had, and it was her idea. They, Mm -hmm. you know, the way it should be, if you get baptized, it should be your idea, you know, and she got on her phone and called the pastor and said, Joe, I want to be baptized. Mm. So she had a little bit of hesitation because she didn't want to get her hair wet. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, you can do this. Yeah. You yeah. know, but it, it was, you know, a Sunday where we have her and another young lady in the wheelchair got baptized and a quarter of the church stands up when that's happening because everyone came who had come. That's, that's amazing. Is it was there, an amazing day. Yeah. Is, 
and that's that's so good that you can still be that support to you know Marge's friends and that you know yes. milestones in in their lives. Is there certain things that now we're coming into the holiday season, and is there certain things that I mean holidays are very challenging. Um, you know, I, I feel like holidays. I'm in a, I feel like I'm in a fog every year around the holidays. Is there certain things that you have done um, since March has passed away to get through the holiday season? We have uh, our old church does a Christmas special that we usually go to. Mm -hmm. uh, my friend that I told you about Maggie singing in her Christmas katata. Mm -hmm. We go see her. We go see that mm -hmm. uh, for the past three years. Well. Three years this year, we go see For King and Country do their Christmas show, which is amazing. This year, we are blowing the budget and going to Nashville. Good for you. I've never been to Nashville. Good for you. We have third row seats at the Opry House. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I have to look at them every couple of days and go, ooh, third row seats. Yeah. I got third row seats for the Opry. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, and you know, and even though... And I, and I really appreciate you, you know, you're sharing your journey. And I think too, that, you know, through life that you are able to have new experiences now that you might not have been able to have yeah. previously. And, and I look at my life the same way, you know, like what I get to do on a daily basis, where I get, to exactly. live, you know, I would not have had these opportunities. You know, I probably would not have met my husband and, and, and things like that. Um, so I have to look at what God has graced me with as, a, you know, as a blessing and that the life that we get to live now and like the experiences that you get to experience now of being a full-time caregiver, you were not able to do these things for yourself and for your marriage, no. but for no. now you can. And I think that is beautiful out of tragedy, you know, going through a, a tragic, you know, situation and, you know, with the loss of your child and having to navigate the grief that you deal with on a daily basis, you know, it can be very isolating and it can be that you feel that you're the only one that is going through this because no one knows how you feel, but to have that with you and your husband being able to walk that journey together and to be able to lean on one another and then to be experiencing life together hmm. on the opposite side of the death um, is something that, you know, is, is beautiful to, to continue to watch. And I'm just so, you know, grateful that, you know, you were able to, to share this uh, journey with us. Yeah, and we are, we, yeah. we are, we also have, several Christian groups in our area for moms who've lost children. Mm. And that's not usually normal. Mm -hmm. You usually do not have like there's three in my area. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I know that's not usually normal. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a part of a couple on online, you know, I, you know, I, I went to counseling, you know, way too soon after Bryson passed away. I was not in the mental state to be able to go to counseling when I did go to counseling, it was just too fresh in my mind. And I, and I was in this fog of, I don't even know what's happening. And then, you know, I, you know, I went to a couple, you know, a couple of years later and, you know, my friend and I would go together and that was really helpful. And then, like you said, the pandemic hit. So I became, you know, with, with some uh, grief groups online, but there's, when you look up, like where we, where we just moved to, you know, looking up to find,
find uh, grief groups, especially for, you know, mothers that had lost a child. It's, it's, it's not as common as you would think. And then to be able to have that many around you, that's a really incredible resource. Uh, yeah, I have two for moms, two Christian ones for moms, and one Christian one for, uh, you've heard of While We're Waiting? Yes. Okay. Yeah, we've been, we have a While You're Waiting chapter here. Here, we have two other di- individual ones. Mm-hmm. And they do, they do conferences, you know, one does a conference around April, one does a Mother's Day brunch. Mm coming up in December. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, before we go, is there anything else that you would want to say about your grief journey or about Marge? I didn't, I miss my dog. I miss my Marge every day, but you know, I think she would want me to go on. I think she'd want me to know her friends, mm-hmm. you know, talk to her friends you know, still be involved in that. And that's one of the things we are. And I, you know, there are great groups out there. Go, go find them. You know, they're easy to find, you know, don't isolate yourself. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid to talk about your grief. Yeah. You know, it's not something we need to hide. I mean, you start talking to people, there isn't anyone out there who hasn't, isn't grieving someone. Mm -hmm. That's really, that's so true that everyone that walks this earth has lost someone in their lifetime that, yes. is, that has been impactful um, in their daily walk of their life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Trina, I appreciate you opening your heart and to express your journey through the loss of your daughter, but she mattered. You matter. She does. And I so appreciate you opening up and sharing your journey today. Thank you, Amanda. It's been nice talking to you. You too. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for joining us on this powerful journey of resilience and belief. We hope the heartfelt conversations and inspiring stories shared on Believe and Be the Podcast has touched your heart and reminded you of the strength that lies within. Remember, even in life's toughest challenges, hope is always within reach. Embrace the complexities of life, find comfort in vulnerability, and know that you are never alone. If you have been moved and inspired by our podcast, please share it with others who may find solace and encouragement in these stories. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. From all of us here at Believe and Be the Podcast, thank you for being a part of this supportive community. Together, let's continue to believe in the beauty of resilience and the power of hope. Until next time, take care and keep believing in B.